The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, welcome back. It's the Rebels, P-Nate and Pootie in Garage Mahal, our hideout, our bat cave, as they say. Here to basically give in to the people. We we have given in to peer pressure. Rebel News took a bit of a hiatus for our Advent series. And, you know, the people just don't like that. They want to hear you talk about politics. They want to hear you talk about culture. and they <laughs> What's want, going on in the world today? And they want to hear me ask questions and then be quiet for a bit. <laughs> That's the general consensus of all of our supporters and all of our fans. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So we are the Rebels. Yes. As always, part of the Rebel Alliance Media. We're the Rebel Podcast, along with the Awakening Reformation Podcast and Fathers of Faith Podcast that comes out on Monday. And awesome blogs by the Emerys. Yep. And uh, and the Advent series that uh, we just can't uh, speak highly enough about um, that the Van Bermers did over Christmas. So hopefully you and your families followed along with that. That was really good. Um, there, and it might not actually be the end of that Advent series. There's some cool things in the works uh, that we're excited about, but we'll, uh, we'll announce that when we actually can. Um, but today, what we want to do is we actually just want to take an episode and catch up, I guess, on some Rebel news. So we'll talk about some things that are maybe some old news that we should have maybe talked about in December, but because we did our Advent series and took a bit of a break from um, recording, uh, just some things that we, we, we would like to kind of weigh in on. And uh, one of the first things that uh, I've wanted to talk about since it happened um, was uh, something that happened back in uh, December, and that was uh, Brett Kavanaugh, um, you know, savior <laughs> of the of the pro life Christian Republicans. Um, he uh, so Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh took the side of Planned Parenthood. I'm reading here from um, a news clip in a landmark case Monday, blocking efforts on the part of individual states to remove taxpayer funding of the largest abortion provider in America. The question was whether or not to, the states could prevent Planned Parenthood from receiving Medicaid funds in their states. Only Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorich voted to hear the appeal from a lower court, while Kavanaugh and Roberts took the majority position with the liberals on the court. Um, so the states uh, were Kansas and Mississippi, and they were attempting to essentially disqualify Planned Parenthood as a Medicaid provider. So, um, I mean, like I said, this happened about a month ago, and so a lot of our friends have maybe already commented on it or already thought through this issue. But um, I guess the, the point that I wanted to make was this. This is why um, cultural change doesn't happen from the top down, but from the bottom up. Um, because the moment you place your faith in a savior who isn't Jesus, they 
quickly prove themselves not to be Jesus by not doing the saving. So Brett Kavanaugh was not a savior. And you think, you know, the big fight that the Republicans did, and and it looked like they came out on top. Justice Kavanaugh got confirmed. He's going to be the one to overturn Roe v. Wade. He's going to be the one to, to bring about justice and peace. Not Jesus, but Brett Kavanaugh. And here he is in the very first opportunity he does has to actually make a difference in the area of of abortion and, and pro-life, which, which let's make no mistake, that's what the liberals were concerned about. That's what the Democrat Party was concerned about. That's why there was such violent opposition to Kavanaugh, is because they were afraid that that would happen. The Republicans fought hard, got him confirmed, great. All he had to do was take the case. <laughs> that's all he had to do. He didn't. He, de- he declined to even hear the appeal. Um, that's brutal. Yeah. It, you know, and it's brutal for him. And I don't know what he's doing. Like maybe he wants to have a long um, uh, track record. Maybe he wants to have a long career on the Supreme Court. And he uh, is just trying to win back some points that he lost with, you know, Democratic voters. I have no idea. That seems like a silly thing since you just got appointed to a life position. Um, but nonetheless, this just shows us that he's not the savior. He's not the guy that we thought he was. It, this is why... Real, true cultural change happens with repentance and faith. Uh, it, it doesn't come in a person. It came in a person, and that person is Jesus. So the minute you put your faith in anybody other than Jesus, um, they're, not, they're just not going to be able to save you. Yeah, exactly. That's basically what I would, I would say, too. You, you can't expect somebody like Brett Kavanaugh to, make, to be the Savior because he's not. Jesus is the Savior. So... His decisions, his decision-making is all tainted by the fact that he's a sinner in need of grace. Um, and I don't know where he's at in his, in like, if he's a Christian or not. I don't know anything. I don't want to speak to any of that stuff. All I want to say is that when we expect somebody who's in power in our governments to be the catalyst to change what we want as Christians to change, that's we're missing the point. The point is that Jesus is the change that the world needs. What the world needs is to see that Christ is Lord and that the Bible is the word of God and repent and turn to that. Brett Kavanaugh making it, making a decision. Yes. Like in my opinion, he probably should have made a different decision, but I can't expect him to do anything different at this point because I don't expect anything of him because I put my expectations and my trust in Christ, not in Brett Kavanaugh. Right. Right. Um, So, and it's just, it's just, it's a funny, it's a funny one with the, the way the political culture is these days where the left fought so hard to keep him out because they were worried about him overturning this. And then the first opportunity is like, oh, yeah, by the way, I, I didn't do that. Did anybody bother to ask if I would? You know what I mean? And it's just like we just assume because he's a Republican or like people just right. that he's going to do right. these things. And it's like, no, that doesn't mean that he's a moral man just because he's on on the right side versus the left side or the left side versus the right side. Start listening to what these people say and the way they live their lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So you got a bunch of rebel news items. That was the one I wanted to get off my uh, back. What do you got for us? I, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna rattle off a whole bunch at you. Yeah, I don't I don't I I haven't heard a whole lot of these. So you're gonna get uh, in the moment reactions. <laughs> that's, that's what I that's what I was hoping for, my friend. All right, so we're gonna start. I was gonna I was gonna weed into like some some harder ones as we go. So I'm gonna start light. So. A couple months ago, we talked about Chris Pratt, Guardians of the Galaxy actor, yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park actor. Your, your, your male crush in Hollywood. One of them. Um, <laughs> that came out weird. Uh, but anyway, Chris Pratt went on an award show 
and didn't give the gospel, but like, you know, basically alluded to a deeper yeah, he gave faith. His, he, yeah, he gave his like 10 rules for life or something like that, right? And he talked and, about, you have a soul, God exists, yes. you know, be careful what you do with your soul, your decisions matter. It was it was solid. It wasn't like a gospel presentation, but it was pretty solid. No, and, we, and I don't think he would say it was a gospel presentation. So interesting enough, at Disney, at their Christmas ceremony, they don't call it a Christmas ceremony, they call it the uh, celebration ceremony at Disneyland, um, <laughs> he was... The Winter keynote. solstice sir. <laughs> celebration. The Anglo-Saxon white white privilege. Uh, yeah, the Anglo-Saxon white privilege holiday. Yeah. That's, uh, okay. So so Disney anyway, held that. Yeah. Uh, Disney held that, and Chris Pratt was the speaker. Yeah. And so interesting. The world is kind of watching again to see what he what he says, and he's he's a very charismatic man. And so he's a good speaker. He's good. He's good in public. Not good. all actors are exactly, and he's yeah. good on the spot. And in, in, so, what was interesting about this is he gave an impassioned reading. Of the Gospel of Luke's Christmas story, nice. And so he just read scripture. He just read scripture. What translation? That I, I think. It, I think. I think it was the NIV. Oh, okay. Um, I think, but like I, not L- NLT. It's no NASB either, but it's you know, it's no NLT. He read the Spurgeon. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could you imagine? He's so good. Yeah. He read it uh, in Greek, actually. <laughs> he, he actually read it in Latin, and that's why it took three weeks for anybody to know. Yeah. No, anyway, but what was it? What's interesting about that? I wanted to follow up. There's it, this one kind of ties to the next couple that we're going to talk about. Is the idea that. Um, we we said when Pratt, when Pratt did this, it'll be interesting to see if he gets flack, or it'll be interesting to see how he can per, continues to progress on that like path. If you'll say more bold things, or if you'll step out more in faith, right? Well, this is an example of maybe he is, yeah, because seriously. now he's reading scripture, yeah, in liberal California at a, at Disney, which is basically the left's pinnacle right now. So, yeah. so I mean, was there pushback? No. He was celebrated because he he read it. He read the Christmas story, and and you've said this during our Advent story is Christmas reeks of Christian victory. Amen. And so what happens is that at Christmas time, a lot of the anger that gets thrown right. at at Christ seems to dissipate a little bit, and I think that's grace. Yeah. Um, where it's just like it just yeah, pushes down grace, people. Absolutely. Exactly. People people kind of soften a little bit, and where they're willing to listen. And a part of it, I think, is the messenger. Chris Pratt isn't. Uh, yeah. He's a very likable guy, so he's able to deliver it, and people heard the gos- the the true story of Christmas. Well, good for him. I mean, I think. Uh like, like we said last time, and I don't want to just keep stringing him along until he does something either really outrageous one way or the other, but I, like this, <clears throat> this kind of gets to, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes with this, right? Like it seems like he's getting more and more bold. So he, he did his like 10 rules for life or whatever it was that we talked about originally. And he kind of interdispersed some humor and some funny things talking about how to poop at a party and stuff like that <laughs> with these more like you have a soul, be careful what you do with it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, God exists and, and, uh, grace is free and all that kind of stuff. So he kind of interdispersed some of these things. Um, and then here he goes and he just reads, scripture, right? So he's kind of taken these steps forward and you wonder if some of the softness we talked about in his first awards ceremony speech was strategic, right? And this is what I said to said about it in the first place is like, if this is strategic, good for him. If this is as far as he's going to go, then come on, do more. Yeah. But it seems like maybe he's, maybe he's trying to um, use his platform in a really God honoring way and he's just being smart about it. Yeah, and if that's the case, like good for him like i hope i hope uh i hope he continues to get asked to go places you know <laughs> absolutely and let's hope he doesn't do what the next person that we're going to talk about did so a couple weeks ago on the rebel news we talked about lauren daigle 
Yeah. And who at the time, we, we praised for what she was doing, going on talk shows. Praise is a high word, but we definitely have a retraction to make. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but at the time, all she was doing was singing about Jesus. Well, then somebody decided to ask her some questions. And unfortunately, this is what happens when you, again, expect things from sinning people. Um, where So Lauren Daigle was asked by a talk show host who is openly gay, um, are gay? Are, is gay is basically homosexuality a sin? Are gay people going to hell? And Lauren Degel, her response was, "I don't know. I'm not God. I, it's not for me to decide." And I'm going to stop talking. Okay? What do you think about that, my friend? <laughs> so I'm not. You know who I want to get? I want to talk to Tim Bailey about this. <laughs> can we? Can I phone a friend? Can I get? Can I get Tim Bailey to come in and answer this question? Because I'd love to see what he says. Um, this is. This is honestly. This is just. I. <clears throat> it. I hate it. I hate it. You know. It's interesting. I actually saw. Um, uh, speaking of our friend Tim Bailey, I saw him tweet out recently um, a response that uh, Matt Chandler had uh, when asked about homosexuality. And Matt Chandler said, I think we can all agree that it's not um, God's primary plan for human flourishing. And I mean, that's a soft answer and, and not as soft as, as Lauren Daigle's, but it's still a soft answer. And so unfortunately, what we keep seeing is this is an area, this is an area in culture where Christians are backpedaling, where we're withdrawing, we're, and, and we're taking this kind of Tim Keller approach. And I use Tim Keller intentionally. Uh, I've learned a lot from Tim Keller, but he's doing this in a lot of different areas. He's trying to gain too many friends. And under the guise of, well, if I don't offend them right off the, the gate, then they'll stick around longer to hear my message. And I, I like I, I think Chandler is a great preacher, a great pastor. But even that answer that he, that soft answer he gives when asked the question directly is is this attempt by him to keep people long enough to let them hear the rest. And I think that's how he would justify such a soft answer. But the problem is, is that God not only decrees the ends, but the means, right? So, so the, the point is we don't get to soften his word and, and apologize for his word and be soft with his word or handle the scriptures fast and loose um, just because it's going to win us a bigger audience. That's, that's just not how God's word works. And so Lauren Daigle might be doing that. She might know that homosexuality is wrong, but be choosing to say it in this way. And you know what? Is it wrong to say, I'm not God, I can't judge the heart? No, not, that's not wrong. That's, that's, that's right. But it doesn't take a, um, a New Testament uh, scholar to be able to say, um, homosexuality is wrong. According to scripture, it's wrong. Now, I don't know. I don't know if the person asked the question that way. Do you believe people who are gay are going to hell? Because I would answer that question a little differently. Now, I, I, but, but in answering it, you have to be clear. The Bible does condemn homosexuality. And the other thing is that absolutely, is God sovereign? Does he control the heart? Yeah. But his word says very clearly in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 that it lists a whole lot of people, including homosexual offenders, who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So it is talking about eternality. It is talking about what's going on in the heart. And, uh, and Romans 1 uh, is very, very clear that homosexuality is the result of a debased mind that is um, brought about by the continual rejection of God and, and suppressing of the truth we know about God. So uh, this is not a hard an- question to answer biblically. It's just a, it seems to be, for whatever reason, a hard question for Christians to answer faithfully. 
Yeah, that's in that's, a tough culture. Exactly. That's exactly where where what I took away from this. Like some when I made the joke on Facebook, like this is why I generally like to praise dead people, not live people, because live but, people can still disappoint me. Honestly, that's <laughs> that, it's one of the reasons. Honestly, when I think about biographies, when I think about a lot of the authors that I appreciate and read most consistently, it is dead people because I know they finished the race well. Exactly, it, they persevered it, to the yeah, end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's so. That's that's one takeaway. But the main thing I I, I took away from this is like. Lauren Daigle was very publicly asked this question. Yeah, any any Christian who works in a, in a secular environment, sometimes even Christians who don't work in a secular environment, just like at other Christian organizations, we're going to get asked this question. Yeah, maybe not the exact verbatim, but we're going to get asked something like this almost monthly, almost yeah. weekly. We need to be prepared for the answer. Yeah. And how do we prepare for the answer? One, by know knowing, what God's what, word says. knowing what God's word says is absolutely the first first thing. But also to be like uh, first Peter, be prepared to give a defense for the gospel, for yeah. the truth that is in you. Yeah. And don't be ashamed. Like I know it's easy for us to sit here in the confines of our hideaway and say, be bold and be proclaimed. But yeah. But you get, you, but our listeners ought to know that you and I have lost friends over this. Oh, right. We, like we've lost friends. We, have, we, we are defriended. We are blocked on Facebook. We are not talked to in the mall, you know, by friends because, because we have taken a stand because we do share these things on our Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't say that to our praise in any way. I just say faithfulness is not an option as Christians. And, and, and here's what I would say. The reason, the reason this we're watching Christians shrink away on this is we, we talk about this all the time. Every, every single system is a theocracy. Everyone, every single system. So right now in Canada, we live in a theocracy. And the God of, of um, our system is the people. It's the majority. And so right now, Christians are in the minority in this viewpoint. And so the blasphemy laws of our country, the blasphemy laws of Western culture right now are on these topics of homosexuality and transgenderism. And so when, when, when people ask Lauren Daigle these questions publicly, what they're essentially saying is, hey, you know, I'll, I'll buy what you're selling as long as it's not blasphemy. So, so tell me this, what do you think about homosexuality? That's what they're doing. They're, it, this is the litmus test for her faith because secular culture is not non-religious. It's not non-spiritual. This is why Scientology and Kabbalah and, and all of these, these um, sex cults and all these things that we see in Hollywood and we see in, in, in major culture, this is why people flock to those kinds of things because we're not not spiritual. It's, it's that as long as your version of religion does not blaspheme, then I can, I can accept it. And that's what Lauren Daigle was being asked. Is your, let me, let's talk about your faith. Let's see if your faith passes the blasphemy laws of our land what does it think about homosexuality and she may she she may have passed the cultural blasphemy test but she failed the word of god and uh and so you know anybody with a platform any christian who rises to prominence and chris pratt i I imagine chris pratt is is next on on the line you know that that question is going to be posed to him publicly um at some point some some way somewhere and he i i I pray for his faithfulness and being able to answer that truth in love truth in love that's good so so speaking about cultural sense uh censorship Interesting, interesting. A lot of our listeners aren't in our in southwestern Ontario. Yeah. They're kind of uh, spread across North America. But 
a good friend of the show, one of the friends of the show, Jacob Riom. Yep. Um, He's who been on a few times. Been on a few times. Does an annual event in uh, his city, which is uh, just a little bit north of where we are. And um, it's it's not a very long presentation or anything. It's a, a few worship songs, and then he gives a five-minute sermon. And they've done this, I don't want to say for a very long time, but at least the last few years they've done this. Right. And interesting this year when they went to do it without any warning to them, their mics were turned off, their worship, their band was turned off. And so Jacob, to his credit and uh, to God's praise, just yelled out (laughs) out his sermon, um, which you can find on the Rebel Facebook. If you just search me and Nate, we shared it all out. That's right. Uh, But... It's interesting to say just like this is the kind of thing that Christians have to face. This is this is persecution of a different way. Yes, he's not being stoned, but he's trying to be censored. Yeah, it's so just to paint the picture here. So they're at the uh, the Christ Kindle Market in uh, Kitchener. And uh, what that that just means that's a it's a German Christmas festival. And in German, that means the Christ child. (laughs) And so it's a it's the Christ child Christmas market. It's a German market. And it's a very uh, efficient way to say it. Yeah. It well and so <laughs> and so they're there and basically what they're doing is they're doing caroling, they're reading the Christmas story from the scriptures, and Jacob gives a five minute gospel presentation. So it's it, this is what their church and they did it the year before, and they were invited back, and there was no conversation about whether or not what they did the year before was good or bad. They were invited back with no conversation about what was expected of them this year. So they assumed they could do the exact same thing. And when the scriptures are being read, both in English and in German, it was shut down. And the mics were turned off. And when Jacob went to give his... So they were okay with the singing and the carols and not okay with the reading of scripture or the gospel proclamation. And so, and what was interesting is that, again, like you said, no conversation, it was just censor, shut it down. And uh, and they said basically that they don't allow any religion into the um, the festival, which is interesting because it's called the Christ Child Festival, yeah, exactly. and it's celebrating Christmas, which is, you know, Christian. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and, and so, you know, hats off to Jacob and Trinity Bible Chapel for uh, being faithful and uh, for the way in which they handled it. Uh, Jacob went on the news, he chatted about uh, what had went on, and uh, and I thought he handled himself really well. We know Jacob, we know how fiery he is, and I, I think uh, it took a lot of restraint for him not to go uh, full-blown on uh, on the news there, but he did, a, he did a really good job at being concise and not backing down and saying, like, Christmas is about Jesus, and we can't even read the Christmas story? Like, what's going on here? Since, like, what does it have to say about religious freedom if we can't even read the scriptures at a Christmas event? And uh, and so good for him. And I thought he did a really good job. And and it is. That, so we shared a video where you'll see Jacob just shouting at the top of his lungs, his little five-minute uh, gospel presentation. And, uh, I mean, he uses the word wrath. He uses the word judgment. He uses the word repent. I love it. Uh, and it's good to see faithfulness because, um, unfortunately, faithfulness is uh, is dying. Yeah, I, I I remember I when the first thing I saw when I saw the video, I saw the video before because uh, our our friend Taylor shared it out on Facebook before yeah. I had known the yeah, his wife was the one who took the video on her phone or whatever. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, so she's the one like amening. <laughs> yeah, I on, asked if she had I asked on. if she had a Pentecostal background. <laughs> apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. But she was very enthusiastic. Apparently the rebels are all into stereotypes. It's totally <laughs> yeah. good. That's yes, we fun. are. Um, I did enjoy the come ons though. Anyway, um, but I was I thought to myself like. Not only what he was saying, but I was like, 
There's very few few people who I think that kind of thing suits better than Jacob. Like just big booming voice with big commanding presence, just shouting out the scriptures. Yeah, I was like, good on you. God, God is sovereign, and sometimes in a in a way, it's just like you think you did something, but I'm gonna just show you the the gifts I've given this uh, child of Are mine. Perfectly tailor suited for this situation. <laughs> exactly, and it was interesting because, like you said. He's since been able to go on the radio yeah, and CTV. Exactly, gave it a gave him a bigger platform. So, um, what the enemy tried to use to like shut it down and just expanding. And isn't that a great gospel picture, yeah, right? For so. sure, for sure. One uh, one other piece of rebel news that kind of jumps off of that that I wanted to, to share was um, so Jacob was on here talking about uh, Bruxy Cavey and that whole thing, and we talked. We had a follow up as episode where we were talking about how we thought the Gospel Coalition did not handle the whole conversation with Bruxy Cavey very well. We actually called out the Gospel Coalition for um, kind of kind of um, being too tentative, too careful, um, not bold enough as we're sitting here talking about boldness. So I just wanted to give a shout out to our, our friend who's a pastor uh, in the area named Sean Shireen, who uh, he actually wrote a blog post that we shared out on the Rebel stuff. And, uh, and he called out the Gospel Coalition in a very winsome, um, very bold, um, very uh, truth and love sort of way. Um, and, and he basically talked about how the, the Gospel Coalition Canada said too much in some in some ways and too little. And I would just encourage people, go on, check out his blog post. He's at Hespler Baptist Church, and uh, this was on his blog. But we shared that out, and, uh, and we hope, we know we have some friends um, who are part of, either on the council or partner churches with the Gospel Coalition Canada. And uh, we, would just, we would just encourage you to go on and, and check that out, because we are hoping that that sows the seeds for the Gospel Coalition kind of correcting what, what, what we think was a major blunder in giving Bruxy Cavey a platform uh, and not calling him out as a false teacher. Yeah, and if, and if like, to, to be honest, if, like, uh, any of the Gospel Coalition guys are listeners, because I think I think a few of them are, Yeah, we would love to have you on so you can give your your perspective on the whole thing and let us just ask some questions. Because Or I, use the Rebel Alliance for your retraction. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> Sorry, you be nice. I always try to be. I always try to be nice. But basically, like I would, I have questions too because they're like even I. I don't know if you read their most recent, um, one of their most recent articles about pot, and it was just like even in that they were like, is is smoking pot a sin? They didn't say yes or no. Yeah, they read through and it's like they kind of lay out that you shouldn't do it, but they don't ever make a definitive statement. And I just contrast that with, again, the blog that Trinity Baptist church did, which is our, again, our friend Jacob, yeah. where he very definitely says, here's what the word of God says. Yeah. And here's how I apply it to this, to the scenario. And then blatantly says, this is why we would not affirm the use of it. Yeah. Um, and again, we're always talking about recreational use, not, me- not medical. And it's just interesting. Like when you play that, we're trying to be nice. We're trying to be culturally relevant, but we're still trying to we're trying to toe that line and still be biblical while we're being really, really nice. And you see how it comes out yeah. when you try to do that. It comes out as whims like. Well, and I think I, you know we wouldn't we wouldn't say that they've been un, like. Uh, I would say that they've been wrong in some ways, but I, <laughs> I would just say like here's I think I heard somebody say it this way, and I think it was a good way to say it. There's too much Canada in the Gospel Coalition Canada, right? There's, which right, which right, for our American listeners, it's too nice. Yeah, we, they've, they've kind of adopted Justin Trudeau's kind of ecumenical, um, you know, relativistic, pluralistic niceness, uh, tolerance. 
Um, and I think there's just too much of that going on. They're trying to cast too wide of a net. I think that's they're, what it comes down to. They're and, trying not to be offensive. Right. And I, and I think, you know, I think they probably have good motivations for that. But this is this is what this whole episode ends up being about is is um, if if faithful Christian ministers are not offending a God hating culture, then we're clearly not being faithful. Yeah. So there you go. Exactly. The, the every letter in the New Testament to to everybody it was written to was offensive. Yeah. So like yeah. you can't pick up the book of Romans yeah. being a Roman citizen or a Jewish person who it's probably written to and read it and not be offended by right. it. Right. Or we just we just spent a year in the book of Acts at our church and and I mean it's just amazing how many riots get right. Paul goes in, preaches the gospel, what happens? The city the the city riots because they recognize that the gospel is offensive and destructive to their God-hating culture. And so the idol culture was going to take a hit, and therefore the city riots, the pagans riot. Why? Not because Paul came in and was timid, but because Paul came in and was bold, not preaching uh, you know, against that culture, but preaching the gospel, which they understood was against their culture. So anyway. That's great. All right. Well, I'm gonna. I, um, I want to get through all of these ones. Yeah, yeah. I, we yeah. want to catch okay, up. We'll go, we'll go quick. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna quick fire a whole bunch at you, and I. I want your just your. your are you thoughts gonna do one, and then I. I give like a, a brief response, and then the next. Or are you gonna do them well, all? I don't and... think you're. You, the one thing you're not is brief. So, <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> like, so you're just gonna uh, hit me with all of them, and I'm, I'll. I'm gonna hit you with one at a time, and then I'm gonna cut you off basically. Okay. So in Virginia. Peter Vlaming, a teacher that teaches French at West Point High School in West Point, Virginia, was fired by the school board last Thursday for refusing, well, oh, last Thursday right, at, the, right, right. at the time when I did hear uh, about this. Um, this article was written, uh, for refusing to use transgender pronouns. Yeah. So he wouldn't, he refused to basically say um, a girl was a her, a right. girl was a him, and a guy was a her, uh, basically. And so the school fired him. Let me hear your thoughts. Well, this is blasphemy laws again, right? So this is this is the um, the secular state um, uh, putting out its blasphemy laws, and one of its blasphemy laws right now is thou shall not speak against the LGBT community, and so they they actually view not giving the pronouns as hate speech. Um, I think good for him. I think the more the more Christians that get fu- well, first of all, the more Christians that get out of the public school system, whether as children or as teachers, the better. So that's number one. But number two, I think um, the more Christians who are willing to actually take a stand just like you know just like jack phillips and the uh, not not baking the cake the more um regular everyday christians and everyday jobs are willing to stand up the more i think that will be a judgment and an indictment on the pastors who are caving and the pastors are going to be convicted by their own people who are willing to stand up and hopefully that convicts the hearts of the people in the pulpits and they'll start preaching boldly as well I, wa- I just want to read you a couple quotes about this yeah. um, that he that he said, um, and then a few of the signs that were were outside the school the next day because it did it did actually stir up quite a controversy around the school because he was a, actually a fairly liked teacher. Um, he said, "Even higher than my family ranks my faith. There are some hills that are worth dying on." Amen. And like, I like that, this guy. That's a such that's such a we good. We should try to uh, get him on. I like him. Yeah, we should try to get him on. If you're listening, come on the <laughs> yeah. Um which I realize is probably not an effective way to get him on the boat. Um, <laughs> we got to do more than that. <laughs> um, some of the signs. So one of the signs that was held outside the school by people who were supporting him were, men are men, women are women, and that's a fact. You can't impose your delusion on us. 
Amen. Like, I like that sign too. So good. Yeah, good job. Uh, the other one was, was uh, science has no place here. And I was like, that's, it's interesting because it was just like holding up a sign to say like scientifically now, right. I'm sure yeah, there are yeah. people who can overtalk me in this area, but um, scientifically you can't actually change right. sex. You can change the organs, but that doesn't actually change yeah. the chromosomes. And so they're basically saying you're denying science. Right. And so there's Which a whole is actually kind of cool at like turning their ploy around on them, right? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you, you yeah. science denier because you, you don't, you know, climate change and whatever, you know, it's, it's just funny how people line up science for their own to, to fit their own. So that, yeah, good, clever sign. Well done. So I thought that I just thought that was actually cool. And the other thing, the other one piece that I that I got in the, out of this article um, that I just wanted to just touch base on one re- real quick thing that this is a um, based on the the National Survey Organization. I can't read the name; it's too long. Um, they polled all grade nine and ten. So in the states, that would be freshmen and sophomore. Um, high school students. Now I'm assuming this is only at public schools. Um, cause like I'm assuming they're not going door to door. Um, and only, only 3% of them identify, like said that there was any kind of difference in their sex that they would identify a different way or maybe have ever questioned it. So we're talking about 3% of all of the students in that, in this area. So I only say it because contrary to the way they pro- like they proclaim this message, like it's everybody that's struggling struggling this way. Right. It's only three percent, nearly not even nearly three yeah. percent. And it's like, isn't that interesting? It's actually a very small number of people who have even even questioned it. Right. It's just yeah. interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. All right, let me hit you with another one. All right. Uh, so Austin, Texas, Bible Belt. Yep. City government. Close to enforcing a code, like a work code that will force churches in that area to hire LGBTQ workers. Force how? That's a, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, basically it'll be, it just, it's discriminatory for a workplace right. not to employ them. So if I, so, I mean, the, this is the thing that always bothers me. Like are, are LGBT people like not offended by that? Like you, you think they'd be offended by that. Like I, my wife is offended by the notion of affirmative action. Like she, she would not take a job if they, if she knew that she was getting the job because she was a, a woman. Like she, she would not. She like that is that is so offensive to her. The idea that well, you're only here to, to so that we can meet, match our quotas. Like I, I just. I, I, I don't understand the mindset and I get it. I'm, I'm, I have all kinds of white privilege. It's oozing out of me. So, so fair <laughs> enough, but like, I just don't understand this mentality. So that, that's my first thing. And, and that's a whole bunny trail. That's maybe not worth going down at this uh, right now. But my, my, so my other thing would be, what are they threatening you with? So, I mean, my, my thing, if, if I was in Texas, if I had a church in Texas, obviously I would not adhere to this. And then if there was a fine, I would not pay the fine. If there's a summons to court, I would not go to court. You would have to come and arrest me, like come, come and come and arrest me. The second thing is if, if what they're, if what they are threatening you with is to take away your charitable status or something, take it. I think, I think we're at this place in culture, and I've, I've said this to my elders, I've said this to our church, I think we're at this place in culture in Canada. My, my prediction, it's not a prophecy, so don't stone me if it doesn't come true, but I would, I would wager on if Justin Trudeau gets another, um, uh, if he gets reelected and he gets another four years as our prime minister, within those four years, churches will get their charitable status taken away. We will, I, I think that'll, that'll happen. Or he'll make the demands so egregious that faithful churches will surrender them voluntarily. And so my, my question would be, 
what are these churches being threatened with? And you have to be willing to face it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, God's word is God's word. And there have been people throughout history who have been burned at the stake for, um, uh, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the Protestant Reformation, there are people who were burned at the stake because they were unwilling to bend on the doctrine of the Lord's table. They would not adhere to transubstantiation, and therefore they were put to death by the Roman Catholic Church. If people are willing to die over that issue, we ought to be willing to be persecuted, put in jail, fined, whatever the case may be, for standing on the biblical truth that God created them male and female. Because that's foundational. Yeah, that's good. Ugh. <laughs> this one, this one is, I think is a bit interesting because I, I, I don't even know if I disagree with what they're trying to do. I just think I disagree with the reasons they're trying to do it. Um, so the Pope, oh, okay. our friend. Yeah, he's not our Pope friend. Francis. Uh, Pope Francis. Frankie, Frankie baby. <laughs> Frankie baby. Uh, anyway, Pope Francis is working on approving a change of the words to the Lord's Prayer. Okay. So... I'll tell you the change, and then I'll tell you the reasons for it. So they're trying to change, change the phrase, lead us not into temptation, to be changed to abandon us not when in temptation. Right. So right away, I'm like, okay, well, why? So interesting, though, this started about 16 years ago. Scholars um, started to just investigate the use of the original language, the Latin, the, the, the Greek, and trying to see if it if it if it's just been mistranslated often in our English Bibles, and it should actually be abandoned us not when in temptation. And so, if they find that that's the case, I'm all for it. Whatever, that doesn't bug me. What's interesting is the reason they started it is because they didn't like the idea that God would lead somebody into temptation. Yeah. So they started it from the place of like, I just don't like what scripture says, so I want to change it. And then in this case, they might actually have a point, but I mean like they didn't like it, so they worked on it. What do you think about this? Yeah, so <clears throat> I would say, first of all, I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm, I just heard this for the first time when you were talking about it. Um, so I don't know uh, what their arguments are um, from, from, I mean, from my... Um, uh, from my understanding of Greek, um, from the manuscripts that I've seen, it, it seems like "lead us not into temptation" is a very fair um, is a is a pretty fair translation. I'm I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I took ori- original languages in school. Um, it seems like a pretty fair you translation to me. Um, and uh, now we also know you 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 understand the Bible in its entirety. We know in James it actually talks about God not tempting us; He's not the one who tempts us. Um, so I mean it's. So I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know if they're going back and, and maybe there's discrepancy in the manuscripts or something like that. So I, I'd have to look into that further. So I won't, I won't touch on the translation side of things. Let me just deal with the motivation. Um, if the Catholic Church begins to retranslate the Bible so as not to be offensive or, or not to hurt their feelings, or, or be, then uh, they're going to have a drastically different Bible by the, end of the, by the end of the project, right? I mean, so... Um, I don't, I don't, so I don't know much about the translation stuff and the manuscripts. I'll look into that maybe and, and have a more of a full comment on it later. But, um, I would just say if the motivation is because they don't like the idea of what God might do, the reality is, is that God isn't the one who tempts us, but God in his sovereignty does put us in tempting situations. And the reason we are in tempting situations is because, you know, in God's sovereignty, it's part of his will. Um, but also because of our own sin and a sovereign God uses those things to mold 
mold and to shape us, right? Just like, just like, you know, people, people, um, wince at the idea of God, you know, um, creating, um, horrible situations. Like I always hear, like if a hurricane goes through or whatever, it's like, Oh, this wasn't, this isn't God's will. You know, he doesn't want this to happen. And do you forget Isaiah 45 where God says, you know, I am the Lord God who does these things. I create light and I create darkness. I create well being and I create the calamity. I am the one who does these. And so, you know, we do serve a sovereign God who uses evil and darkness for his means. It's, it's so that his grace is on the backdrop of his righteousness and his wrath. And, it, and it's, it's more on display with that backdrop. And so that his, the totality of his character is on display as his glory is seen. Um, and it's also just to show his absolute sovereignty that he will even use difficult circumstances and, and evil things to bring about his purposes. He used wicked people like Cyrus and Saul to accomplish his purposes. So I say all that just to say um, there's a whole lot in the Bible that you're going to start changing if you start changing things just because you don't like it. Yeah. So, you know, um, let's let's stop being so emotional. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's interesting when you read the quotes that Pope Francis, now who didn't start the process, but who's the one going to see it through, um, about why he why he's favor, in favor of the change. He says things like, a father doesn't do that. A father helps you get up immediately. And he's like, so he's taking his his version of what a father is right and attributing that to god not using god's word to define what a father is and we we talk about this all the time with love we need to use what god defines love as as real love not what we think right. and feel love is and it's interesting that he's doing that and it's yeah. a catalyst I, for a change i'd be interested so. to see his thoughts on hebrews 12 that talks about how uh, a good father chastises those whom he loves right like what like d- does pro Pope Francis's view of a father allow for what the Bible actually says a good father does. A good father does not spare the rod. A good father chastises his child, trains his child, and allows him to endure hardship, right? So, in fact, it tells us when we walk through difficulty, God is treating us as sons. So, you know, that's what a father actually does. So anyway, it's so just... Let's, a, let's add Pope yeah. Francis to the list of people we're trying to get on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, you Frankie, know. baby, if you're listening. <laughs> Frankie. Yeah. We, we have any Italian. Roman Catholic <laughs> listeners, which I imagine we don't at this We've point. Probably offended. But if, if so, no, I'm, I'm going to get in big trouble for calling Pope Francis Frankie, baby. But <laughs> I like it. I'm going to keep doing it. Keep doing it. We should tweet it. Yeah. Um, so, so far on this episode, just so you guys are keeping track, we've asked for Peter Vlaming to come on the podcast, um, Paul Carter to come on the podcast, now the Pope. Yeah, Frankie baby. We've we're always open for Trudeau and Chris Pratt if you're listening. We're yeah. down. I got one more this one will be quick. Here's here's the thing. Oh. I if you want to see somebody on a rebel show, like take the, the when we blast this episode out, this will get shared on our Twitter page because it always does. Tag the people you want to see in in the comment section. That's what I love to see. Like I want to I want to see regular people start tagging Chris Pratt. I want him to be like, why do I keep getting tagged in these Rebel Alliance media posts? Who is this? That's what I want. So I'm just well, saying. Well, the problem is then he'll click on the Rebel Alliance. And be like, oh, it's Chris Poots. Yeah, he's always following. Me. <laughs> just I've gotten, I've gotten several letters from him, and I have a restraining order, so I can't go on. <laughs> Not true. Not true. All uh, right, I got one right, last right, one. This right, one, last one. A little bit of comedy to end, end the day here. So, crazy Dipsy, dipsy pastor. Um, oh, oh Dispy. Dispy, dispy. Yeah, what yeah. did I say? Dipsy. Yeah. Well, same yeah, thing. Same thing. Um, <laughs> just the, the number of people we're offending here. <laughs> That's just, insane. Yeah. Ziplined into his church. This past week, this video went viral. You can find it on YouTube. We'll yep. link it, I'm sure. Um, 
to teach that the end times are now beginning and with this. Oh, they're you know, now beginning. Oh yeah. It starts now because of something that Trump admitted with Russia. And I, I don't, oh, I never right, understand man. these things. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. um, they're actually smarter than I am. So I'm like, I can't follow all your conspiracy theories. I'm still trying to figure out the blood moons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but he ziplined into his church to do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's the way we're going to end it. Give me your top three things you love about dispensationalism. <laughs> uh, okay, here's, here's one of the things I hate. I hate the fact that failed prophecies never make them go back to the drawing board. Like how many failed... Pro, like how many failed end of end of the times, you know, rapture date setting, how many times, how many of them have come and gone, right? 78 came and went, 88 came and went, 89 came and went, 2000 came and went, 2001 came and went, 2008 came and went, 2011 came and went, the one that we had last year that we talked about came and went, the blood moons, they've come, they've gone, all of these <laughs> things, none of them make you go back to the drawing board. So here's the thing. I want somebody else to find out whoever that pastor is. I don't know if you put his name out, but I'm sure if you if you if you Google Zipline Pastor and oh, Times it, or something, it'll come up. Like 300 million find times. his name, tag him in this post. I'd love to have him on here. That's the fourth. That's the fourth, and and I'd love to have him on here because here's the thing: I don't know when he set that date for, but let's call him the day after. Let's call him the day after and try to get him on the podcast because this one will come and go as well. So the, if we have in, I, I imagine that again, most of the dispensationals who started listening to this podcast somewhere along the way have stopped. But if you're still listening and and this is you, here's what I want to say. The next time, I won't even say that that 50 that have already come and gone. The next time, the next date comes and goes, go back to the drawing board and try to redo the system. Don't just look for the next date. Don't redo your math. Go back and say, what fundamental problem have I made in interpreting scriptures? And just, you know, spoiler alert, I'll tell you what it is. You've taken a man-made system and you've imposed it on the Bible. You haven't read the Bible expositionally and allowed the Bible to expose its theology. Instead, you've taken a man-made system and you've implanted it on the Bible and you're doing wicked, horrible things. And it's harming, it's harming the work of Christians in the world. You've got me all riled up. I know, you, you literally, you're just you smiling guys, over I'm, there. I'm, 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 I'm trying to not uh, chuckle because I can see steam coming off your face right now. Like, oh, it just bugs me it's so like much. Minus and why 10, do you need a zipline? I mean, you talked about the zipline. Why are you ziplining in? This is ridiculous. Because it's more dramatic. Ugh. Well, and that's the whole thing. Date setting is fantastical. Date setting is a spectacle. That's the whole thing. They, they get their thrills by setting the date. So that the letdown after the date comes and goes is they have to get back on the next emotional high by setting the next date. Amen. It's crazy. Oh, I was about to say something that I would have regretted. So I stopped myself and I'll just say, man, I hate dispensationalism. <laughs> and I really, really hope that we see it weeded out of the church. Well, we will eventually. Well, uh, yeah, we'll all be post-mill eventually, but... So. <sighs> well, that was Rebel News. <laughs> Nate, Nate, Nate will come down eventually. Yeah, I need a week uh, of recovery. <laughs> he's taking a sabbatical. Taking a sabbatical. Anyway, we're the Rebels. Enjoy us. Like us, share us on Facebook. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow the Awakening Reformation podcast. Share out the stuff. If you haven't listened to the Advent stuff, even though Advent is over, go back and listen to it. It's unbelievable. It's probably... Even though we had nothing to do with it, it's probably the best thing the Rebels have ever done. <laughs> so, Maybe that's why. That's probably it's most likely because our hands never touched it. We're the Rebels. Have a great one, guys. Peace. Peace.